Hey everybody, welcome back to another Photog Adventures podcast. I'm Aaron King. I'm Brendan Porter. With families and day jobs, we know it's hard to find time to get out there with your camera. So Brendan and I joined together and made the commitment to go out consistently and build up our landscape and astrophotography portfolios. We live in Utah and are lucky to have so many beautiful landscapes all around us. Not only do we have five national parks right here in Utah, but we are only a day or less drive away from 30 other national parks. So we created PhotogAdventures.com, this podcast, and our YouTube channel to chronicle our adventures. Come along with us to amazing places and learn from our mistakes and our successes. We hope that you will get out there too and have a photog adventure of your own. It's episode 27. We're at 27. Three more to go and we'll be on episode 30. So welcome guys back to the podcast. Welcome back. Hey, we're joined today with my brother-in-law, Travis Eggett. And actually you have seen him before. If you've seen the Trestle video, if you've seen the video to Donut Falls, if you've seen, are you in another video than that? Uh, yeah. I think sun, sunset silo. and silo, right? Yeah. So sunset and silo, trestle video, and the Donut Falls video. Travis has been there with us, and since he joined us on the Donut Falls trip, and we haven't had a chance to talk about the Donut Falls trip, right? We wanted to talk about it today and have Trav along for the ride. Hey, Trav. Hey, it's good to be here. Hey, yeah. real quick, uh, what camera do you what equipment do you use? What do you shoot with? Uh, right now, I have a Nikon D seventy one hundred. A couple different lenses. I've got a twenty four to one twenty, uh, eighteen to fifty five. Uh, and a 55 to 300 and i just got a bigger lens for doing uh, nature stuff i got the oh that's right sigma 150 to 600 you didn't bring Ooh. that tonight why didn't you bring that <laughs> yeah oh. i would want to see that even though we couldn't use it i'm sad about that <laughs> <laughs> i know being a nikon shooter we can't just Dang throw that it, lens Trav. on our camera bodies we have a cannon why do you hate us I, Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so when you were a professional mm. shooter and you were doing portraits and weddings, what did you use? Nikon back then, right? Uh, I actually used medium format camera. Uh, really? It was totally, entirely different because I was shooting film. So What? <laughs> uh, right? But your, wife did, but your wife did photography for a while, too. She did my wedding. And what was she using back then? She did your wedding? Yeah. Hey, we all came back around. All connected. Yes. I think at that time we were using a Nikon as well, but I think it might have been the D70. Yeah, so. okay. I yeah, remember you saying was... you didn't try very hard that wedding. You didn't care much. It no. was no, it was <laughs> I don't blame them. It was December Friggin in Logan. Logan oh and gosh. it was raining on us. Logan, Utah is freezing cold in the rain. Summer. Yeah. It's a cold place. Yeah. So I'm grateful for you guys, you know, going out there and pushing through with that because it was miserable conditions. <laughs> so we've got Travis with us today to talk about Donut Falls. And before we go into the listener photo adventure of the week, I wanted to talk about the contest. You guys have one more week left before the contest is up. If you haven't heard about it yet, in episode 26, we, we actually no, episode 25. Yeah. I'm getting all mixed up with Rusty. 25, we talked about the contest where you go out half an hour from your place so where you live go out 30 minutes or less find an awesome location astrophotography or nighttime photography it can be street photography at night it can be nightscape photography in a city mm -hmm. for a city mm -hmm. line i was just mentioning it today someone who lived in la if you have the timing of the international space station just right and it's going over downtown la that's an awesome shot that'd be cool that could be an astrophotography shot that you do so just anything nighttime photography that's the contest deliver it to us through the photo adventures listeners group and this time it's not just gonna be brandon and i who are gonna choose the winner we're gonna have everyone who's available who's around on the listener group put in some votes and so everyone's gonna get one vote and the winner will get the copy our final copy of the royce bear ebook milky way nightscapes nice all right, so now let's get to it. This week's listener photog adventure comes from Mark Lawrence. Mark Lawrence went out with us when we went to the Knolls on our, uh, well, our first real listener hangout. 
That turned into a bust. We ended up watching clouds at the knolls, and it was terrible. I slept. So Mark's photog adventure happened back in February 24th, and he went out to the salt air area of Great Salt Lake, right? I don't know. Was it a health well, there's spa? Nothing, yeah, yeah. There's nothing left there now except for like that these building? tiny little pieces of wood in the ground. I think salt air used to be a resort yeah. area out there. Uh, I don't know if there's much of it left now. No, there's just like this huge walking deck out there, and I think that's just the pillars are left, and they're like totally like nubbed down to almost nothing. Like there's almost nothing left. So Mark went out to Salt Air area, and he said, "On the way home each night this week, I have been a little frustrated. Either we had an amazing sunset, and I had no camera, or I had my camera, and it was completely overcast <laughs> with no sunset." So he says, "Today, as I was driving past the Great Salt Lake, it looked like there was going to be a break in the clouds and the potential." for a pretty good sunset so he pulled off at salt air and he walked out on the beach it was crazy cold the wind was blowing at about 10 to 15 miles mm. per hour over the ice cold water his fingers were freezing and to make it more difficult he forgot his tripod oh what <laughs> i don't know if he oh. left it in his car or forgot it at home but he forgot his tripod and so he had to hand hold any picture he was going to attempt oh that's bogus that's too bad so he said he started to look around for an interesting foreground object and saw a tumbleweed that was stuck in the sand. Now picture salt flats kind of area, guys. It's on the beach, the coastline of the Great Salt Lake. This southern part of the Great Salt Lake is low right now, and it's been low for yeah. years. There's a little snow around, too, in February. At the bottom of the branches of the sagebrush, it had some of that snow. And he was in a place that he thought he could get some reflections from the sunset because of the flat ground with a little bit of moisture in the sand. As the sun set, he was starting to feel really good about his images. He decided to do a panorama because he could see in the distance this set of mountains that are all by themselves. So there's nothing on the sides right or left of them. And he got a panorama to include them on the far right, going all the way over to some puddles of water, some water, and then the sunset in the distance looking awesome underneath these clouds and the sunset is kind of right on top of the sagebrush that's in the ground there he attempted several shots and then finally got this one that lined up really well and it was a lot of fun and very cold so we're gonna look at it's the a picture. great shot oh yeah. yeah absolutely he said that the settings used his nikon d80 it had a 20 millimeter on, and it was an f2.8 mm -hmm. and one two hundredth of a second. So he was hand holding that, making sure he could keep <laughs> yeah. it as still as possible. And it was a six frame panorama. So let's look at this image. So, oh yeah, that sagebrush does have just a tad, like a tiny bit of snow just at the bottom of there. Oh yeah, wow. His lens flare has this crazy green lens flare having right on the sagebrush. Which is cool when you can line that up just right. That is awesome when you can play with your subject like that. I mean, I, he has another picture of this that he shared over on the Tripod Listeners group and as well as on our listener group. And he's taken two images of these mountains. This one doesn't seem to have the red that was in the mountains in yeah, the other that picture. Yeah, sunbeam is shining right on it. But it's really, really cool. cool. And he's tried darker, like it wasn't a black and white image. It was just more of a contrasty dark mm. image. And then this one. And my favorite one, Mark, has always been the blue sky, the purplish blue ground with the red on the mountains. That looks just awesome very neat it's just overall a great shot really nice panorama and to hand hold the panorama and have that much success mark well mm, done man yeah seriously great picture today's podcast we're gonna be talking about donut falls donut falls is up the road from my place up in big cottonwood canyon this canyon is apparently one of the most busiest places in all of utah it's like one it's like top five it really is like top five maybe even top three it's like crazy busy bryce canyon isn't that more no, that's the that's the crazy thing. I looked at really? I looked up, and the facts were this place is frequented even more than national parks. Oh wow! So is it just it's a no surprise and skiing up there. Yeah, because you got ski resorts. You've got uh, you got Solitude and Brighton, which are 
two very popular places in the winter. And there's, so you got traffic all winter long. Then you got spring, summer and fall. Man, that place is packed. They got some scout camps up there. They've got some, um, I think even girls camp is up there and they've got all kinds of hikes everywhere and lakes and it's just oh yeah there's lots to do up there yeah just so much to do up there i've never gone up during the winter time so i was super excited to go and donut falls is this crazy waterfall where it comes down the hill and then it hits the rock and broke through and it's just this opening in a rock face that it comes and splashes through right and it's been widening that over the years splashes in what i thought was going to be a giant hole it's a tiny hole splashes yeah. in this tiny grotto almost area where what was it? Two of our heights, uh, your heights, your guys' heights. At the tallest point, mine. maybe, tallest yeah. Tallest point, yeah. It was maybe 10 or 12 feet. Yeah. So it's not really tall. It's not a very big cave, but it comes splashing down. You got a waterfall mm-hmm. right there, and I expected deeper water, and it was just ankle deep. Yeah, because yeah. it just runs off into the stream as soon as it comes out of there. So That's it doesn't really why. collect it's very coming well. right out of that stream, come up yeah. the hill. Okay. Yeah. I think at the deepest point when I walked across to that other side, it was maybe six eight inches deep at the most yeah wow, that's perfect not very high the water wasn't very high i really was surprised how shallow the water was on the inside there i expected it to fill up more or be held in because in all the pictures i've seen in the summer the water's still flowing the water's still flowing so that's mm-hmm. a constant waterfall in this area and so i expected it to be really dug out or eroded out from the water as the water splashes into the cave yeah because a lot of waterfalls are like that right like it would make sense a yeah feet, like a little sometimes. lake or yeah. pond underneath mm-hmm. it Travel, you went up to the closest that anyone ever did because you had nice shoes for it. Where Did you feel like it got a lot deeper towards the ice or towards the waterfall? Uh, it got a little deeper on that side, but honestly, I mean, I had boots that went up to, what, 12 inches up my leg at the most, oh. and I never felt like I was even close to the top of my boots. So it was so that shallow. It was really shallow. Cool. <laughs> Trav actually went into the cave before we did to check out the location, and then I slid in afterwards after Brennan and I were recording or setting up our cameras from the outside, and I gave Trav my GoPro. <laughs> <and> <laughs> The GoPro that I have has a screen on the back, but Trav never noticed that screen. And the shape of the GoPro is just a little brick. And it has a little bit of an obvious change in the front where the lens is, but not much. It's very subtle. And it's dark in the cave. So I don't blame Trav at all. But (laughs) (laughs) I I come in the cave sliding in. I'm like, oh, this is perfect. Trav's recording me. And I look up and I can see the screen. And I'm thinking, you know what? (laughs) Do you have that backwards? He goes, what? (laughs) Like, are you filming backwards? maybe and he starts looking at the camera he turns it around and then he sees the screen himself he's like oh yeah i am (laughs) (laughs) and we have footage for about four to five minutes of trav trying to film the inside of the cave and give us some awesome b-roll where it's just him he's just getting selfies (laughs) it's just just my own face (laughs) staring at the lens but you have that look on your face like you're working you know you're not looking at the (laughs) camera thinking about things and you know like hey that's kind of a cool shot of myself look at how i pan the room oh that's awesome oh my gosh (laughs) he happened to turn it around just in time for brendan to come skidding in and so when you watch the video the donut falls video on our youtube channel you'll probably hear us laughing trav and i in the background laughing as brendan enters and you're also (laughs) going to see brendan come in and slide down the hill and then I've got a big smile on my face because Trav and I are reacting to him holding the camera <laughs> and backwards. I they were laughing the at me. I come down like, that was really fun, huh? Is that why you're laughing? And I'm like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> no, it wasn't okay. for you. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> no, I got some good selfies. <laughs> hey, good work on the camera, man. That was awesome. I just wish it was turned around. When we have 360 mm-hmm. camera, it won't matter. 
That's right. Exactly. <laughs> I just thought it was so cool how the entrance of that thing was just this little tiny hole, and you just like penguin slide down into that thing. Like someone had dug yeah. out and built like this little slide into You've the cave. You've been there before, so you know it. That hole, was it dictated by the size of rocks that were hidden by the snow, or was that no, just I sheer think, snow that someone dug through yeah, and I it think, became that big? Yeah, I think someone dug through it, and I think the snow kept falling and piling, and I think that people kept pushing the the snow down and forming this little slide because when you go there in the winter t- or when you go there in the summer or sp- spring or fall, there is just a big opening. There's no Is it wall. a walk-in or is it a hunch-over walk-in? Is it any sort of uh, You hunch over a little bit, but not really. It's pretty huh. open. So the wintertime is really cool because it really closes it off and makes it more cave-like. Oh, I've really got to get out there in the summer and see what it's like. Pl- yeah. Plus, the hike will be easier because you can park right up close to the trailhead. I mean, it's a nothing hike. Well... Sort of. Why sort of? <laughs> because the rocks actually go up steeper, and when the snow falls and packs down, it's actually easier to get to the fall than in the, than in the summertime. What are you saying? I have to climb a little you've bit? Gotta, you've got to climb. Yeah, you've got to scale the rocks, oh. and you've got to go through the stream a few times. So you've got to scale rocks and then climb over uh, the rocks and the, and the wood, making little bridges across the stream. And you've got to kind of scale your way up to there. It's hmm. not. It's actually a lot easier to get there in the wintertime. Because it just packs in, and you've got to trail all the way up there. Yeah. Now, going through the stream, that's no problem. I'm pretty used to going through the stream. Yeah, <laughs> but it gets pretty steep. Or falling into it, whichever you prefer. Yeah. <laughs> so the stream is definitely something you're acquainted with by now. No one's going to own it? No one's going <laughs> to tell the rest of the story? We can tell the story. Uh, so we were, we were taking some video, and there was a couple of guys came down the trail. They were waiting to get past Aaron. <laughs> so Aaron, uh, Brendan asked if they wanted to go past just as he, Aaron steps back to let him pass, the edge of the trail collapsed, and Aaron ended up in the river. Yeah, butt first in the river. <laughs> so I'm like, holy cow. So I reach down and grab him and try to pull him up. So the crazy thing is that that path, <laughs> the path was not much higher or lower than the snow, right? I mean, it was like pretty equal. Oh, the snow on the but bank? But the snow yeah. path was like packed down really tight, and then this little path. So, But if you go off of that path where it's packed down, it's like pure powder. You just fall <laughs> yeah. right down. Like a good, like three feet almost. I mean, it was, it was like deep. really deep <laughs> up to your, like pat all the way up your leg and stuff. All Dude. I felt was that my back and backpack and everything was in the water and my legs were still on the trail. So I could feel my legs oh, on the trail man. still, but that was it. <laughs> yeah. And that's on the video. So <laughs> it's on the video, but from my perspective. And so you right. see like the camera looking at me and it first goes into the snow before you see me fall. I kind of, oh, it's obvious yeah, that I'm right, tilting yeah. backwards, but I'm not. I'm not visible. It wasn't like we caught me falling in like it would have been awesome if we had. And so you can hear me say to Brendan, I'm a little, and it sounds like Uh, I'm just saying, I'm little. (laughs) (laughs) I'm little. I'm trying to say I'm a little wet now. (laughs) But the uh, stranger who basically shoved me off the path, that jerk, that nice guy and his son, he uh, helped me out. And so I had his hand and Brendan's hand to pull me out. And so I stopped saying my sentence about being a little wet (laughs) until he got up. And oh, man. I just want you to save the GoPro. I had the mic on the front of me, so I was worried the mic was getting wet. Oh, and yeah. worried about my bag. My bag is pretty waterproof, that uh, yeah. Mindshift 180 Horizon bag, but I didn't want to let it sit in the stream backwards. I didn't know what that was going to be yeah. like. Thankfully, it was mostly just snowpack, and I landed in the snowpack in the water, so it wasn't that wet, really. Yeah. A, little blurry, a little blurry on the camera <laughs> yeah. after that for a few minutes. There was so much snow on the front of the GoPro, and Brendan wiped it off. It was just smudges of water yeah. all throughout it. We couldn't do it. And then distorted our faces. It. Our faces looked funny for a few minutes. Yeah, and I got to say this. Uh, uh, Trav came with us, and I had a bad habit of not actually inter- like 
introducing into the camera. I just get focused and forget. And so I had Trav's daughter, Michaela, my niece with us on the trip out to the um, Salt Flats, the moon. Super Moon. The moon yeah. And I didn't introduce her either until, what, halfway through? I'm like, oh, yeah, this is my niece, by the way. So the whole thing starts out with this girl crouched down behind us, and we're just acting like, I don't see like her. Do you see her? I think it's a hallucination. Unless Brendan says something, it must just be. So I, I'm sorry, Trav. I'm sorry I didn't introduce you. Like the crazy guy in camo standing next to us in four or five clips, we never said anything about him. We never acknowledged him. We never looked at him. We never said anything. Never I, allowed him to say anything. I was just a Sasquatch in the background. <laughs> You're just deciding whether to kill us or not. <laughs> so the reason you fell is because there's so many people that we had to move out of the way for. There and, were a and lot so of people. There's so many people walking back and forth. And that pathway is just a tiny little pathway. Oh, you only what had was one it, place like 10 inches? I mean, maybe, wide? I mean, maybe a foot. Maybe a foot at best. I'd say 15 inches probably because of snowshoes. But yeah, it was just narrow and it wasn't a place for us to stand. No. And unfortunately, there were, I don't know, dozens? You could, you could really, you really couldn't stand side by side. I no. mean, it was, it was that narrow that you would, someone would have to fall off the side. They did so. How many do you think were there? It seemed like there were dozens, maybe near 50. Well, I know right there at the end, that scout group that came up, there was a lot of kids that came oh, up. Oh, that that's true, group. yeah. As we were heading down, these guys were going up. All their leaders plus the 15, yeah. 20 guys. Oh, man. And families bringing their kids. So so to get an idea of how steep it was, we just slid, slid down that little, like, chute, you know, that of snow. It was kind of like a, what am I thinking, a bobsled run. It was a bobsled run. I mean, on the way up, it felt like some jerk had made this slippery, and why did they do that? And then when it was me up there trying to come down... It's it, like, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of an obvious way of coming down. Yeah, because you're really just... Yeah, it's just weird. So, But it was fun, <laughs> yeah. and I'm glad I had snow pants on. I turned around, and I'm like, hey, Trav, come do it. Come yeah, how about us. you, Trav? Did you have... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't have snow pants. I wished I had, because coming down, that was awful hard to kind of work around that slick area because it was yeah. a slide. Because <laughs> he wore jeans that day. <laughs> Why did you wear just jeans? Are you warm enough like that? I was warm enough, but I don't have snow pants at the moment. So oh. <laughs> <laughs> I had to buy snow pants. Brendan already has it because he snowboards a lot, but I didn't have any snow pants. Yeah, I have like three pairs. They're all like relatively my size, so... If anybody comes visit me that's relatively my size, I've got spares for them. Major tip, if you don't own a pair of snow pants, you have them because you won't just use them in winter. All oh, night yeah. long, every hike, every camp out we did for Photog Adventures last year, even in the middle of August, I put on snow pants because it was cold and you can kneel on anything. It gives you an opportunity just to kind of work around your tripod without worrying about moisture, water, cold. It's really nice. And it adds extra padding to kneeling down. That's true. So when you're in the high mountains, it gets really cold at night. Oh, so, so cold. Sometimes Francis having peak. an extra, and it's not just like the the water resistance, but it's a windbreaking resistance as well that it, that it, they offer. Even when we went out to the knolls, that was cold. That oh night. yeah, <laughs> we all went back in the truck waiting for Mark to get there. We're like, okay, he'll be a couple more minutes. We'll just warm up. Mm, <laughs> it was cold out there. <sighs> and so, disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> So did anybody, any of you think about bringing a sled when we were there? Like, I had that thought, like, it'd be fun to have a sled going down that thing. I didn't really think about that until you saw the little kids pass you on the trail. Yeah, and they all had sleds, <laughs> and they were all pushing each other back down towards the parking lot. It was pretty cool. 
it was definitely an interesting hike. I didn't know that mm-hmm. hike at all. I've never done it. Apparently, I still will feel like I've never done it once I go back in the summer because it's completely different. Yeah, it'll feel completely different in the summer. <laughs> like I won't even recognize no, it probably. You won't. And it's a lot of fun if you get out there and do a snow hike. We thought we'd have to use our snowshoes. We did not. Mm-hmm. It was not the time that we needed snowshoes. It was so packed down. If you go to a more traveled trail like this, you probably will never need snowshoes unless it's slippery and you want the crampons or something. But possibly mm-hmm. if it snowed the night before or something like that, you might. Oh, yeah, yeah. So let's go ahead and take our first break of the podcast, and we'll come back and talk about what went well for photography and what was a challenge. Okay. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. So we're going to talk now about what went well in our photography as we're out at Donut Falls. And for me, one of the things that went best was um, using kind of a macro for these awesome trees we saw on the way back down to the car oh yeah those trees were amazing we didn't see them or notice them because the sun was still down is that why we didn't notice them because we walked I think right so. past them before we the walked trail. right past yeah, them. right on the same trail we yep. came right back down yep. the same and way nothing, and saw nothing <laughs> just walked right past them no big deal and the way back the sun was shining right through them at just the right angle we're like oh, what is <laughs> yeah, this yeah they were glistening they were like they were like the um the hoarfrost was all over those trees. Yeah, yeah. But the Swarovski, what's the brand, the crystal? Oh, Swarovski. Swarovski, yeah. It's always is it Swarovski crystal? Swarovski. Swarovski. It's almost like Swarovski crystal trees sitting there just glistening. And then as we stood there and looked at these amazing trees, we could see little tiny crystal like snowflakes coming down off of them too. Oh. It was just, it was the experience was fantastic. You couldn't capture with a GoPro, and you couldn't no. capture with a camera those little flakes those little of crystals frost. They were so awesome, tiny. You didn't see it in any of the pictures. It was like, <laughs> no. right, because that was part of the whole. And that's, I guess that's one of the things where, like, sometimes you're out there and you're experiencing something that you're just not going to capture, but it's yeah. just cool just being there. You know, yeah, I wonder if there's some sort of processing you could do to just bring it back or in, you know, fake it. But since it was a part of the scene, help. Yeah, it it's something feel. you probably could add to your photography to bring that feeling back. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so I think a lot of, a lot of photographers do take that Liberty and adding in that emotion by bringing elements in. And then I don't know if it's called technically called a photograph at that point, or if it's just art, you know what I mean? So there's a huge debate on, there's a big debate on that. I think it's art and it's okay to be art. Right. Especially if it's just representing what you saw at the time. Right. So when we were walking back and we saw those trees, um, the only thing I had on me was my 15 to 30 because I didn't pack anything else with me. But then I remembered, hey, if I go all the way to 30, I know sometimes at 24 and 30 millimeters, you can still get really, really close. So I tried that, and sure enough, it's still focused really, really close. You did it on your Tamron? On my Tamron 15 to 30, yeah. Your shots were awesome when you gave them to me, and I used them for the video. They had high resolution, high clarity, and I just zoomed in to the picture as much as I could. And then yeah. I used it and pulled back, and it was a macro shot, and pulled all the way back till you saw the whole tree, the little small tree that mm-hmm. it was. That was just a 30 millimeter? Yeah, and I think it was like somewhere between like F5, 6, somewhere around there. I oh, think. that was so, great. Yeah. That turned out awesome. Yeah, so I was happy with the results. I just wish I had that 100 millimeter macro that I have because then <laughs> I would have got really amazing detail on those crystals. Oh, man. But then you wouldn't really have any really much like uh, idea of what's really going on. You would only see the crystals. 
Yeah, having the yeah. ability to back out of that shot a little bit made that right to establish really where it cool. is. Oh, yeah. you're right. With the macro, you'd have just seen all the crystals way up close and maybe not had that effect of backing out and seeing right. everything else. Yeah, yeah, it was just fantastic. Those frosty trees that looked like pretzels that were covered in salt, but entirely covered with salt. You couldn't see the brown of the pretzel. You just saw all the little cubes, little squares, little crystals coming off of it. When you zoomed in on the video, you'll see how they're all little shards of blocks of ice almost yeah tiny. but like flakes too though they weren't like they were but they weren't like cubes they were more like leaf type flakes like thin yeah yeah they're really they were cool thinner. they're really cool i'd never seen anything quite like that before so what went well for me is i had a situation where i took a picture of travis he was moving a lot he was checking his camera looking up looking down looking up looking down and i didn't want to have him moving into a blur so i had a high iso so that i can keep it at a very fast shutter speed and still mm -hmm. see him but then i introduced all that noise what worked out for me is i hadn't used this part of the color of the nick collection if you guys aren't using the nick collection yet brendan and i were just talking about this we recommend it to everybody it's free right now google is purchased you said they did what with the company i think google bought the company and then they recently made the software free maybe within the last year or so and it used to be how much to ha to use it Cause I the entire collection i think was probably close to 500 dollars for all of it because i remember each thing being like 120 to maybe 200 depending wow. on the package so even if the whole package was 120 or if it was individually 120 it was crazy well over money it was hundreds of dollars i know for the entire thing oh, wow. yeah it's an amazing program and it's free now who knows if they'll actually do any support for it because it's free now and if it'll change know. and adjust as the time goes on. But for right now, it works perfectly. Recommended. I usually just jump into Color Effects Pro. But the part that I ended up using here was Define. Mm -hmm. Define is a noise reduction part of the software. And I was able to go into Photoshop. And if you used Nick Collection before, you know how it creates an extra layer. Or you can create another layer and then apply the effects from Nick Collection to one layer. And then you just choose choose which layer you want to have mm -hmm. as your layer. Well, you another benefit of doing another layer is that you can just paint in with the mask the areas that you wanted the effect that happened in the Color Effects Pro. Because right. they happen globally. And they happen in areas that you can control sort of a gradient shift or here and there, and you can focus it on certain places like a polarizer would if you rotate it. But it's global. And mm -hmm. so I got this layer with Travis where I went and did a nice noise reduction, but it smoothed everything out. All the rock detail on the greens to the blacks that were on the rock, they were all blurry or a little mm. smoother. Trav was smoother. The water was a little smoother. I didn't want all of that. So what went really well for me was getting that second layer on there, applying the global effect of the noise reduction, and then just using a layer mask to paint in the darkest areas of the wall above Trav, where it was just so dark, you really didn't have much detail anyway. And so the mm -hmm. fact that it was smooth made no difference. And all it did was take where the noise was most apparent in those blank black areas on that wall. That noise was reduced. It was smoothed out. The smoothing wasn't a negative effect because it's such a dark area, and it worked out great just to get that effect to clean up the space around Travis's head mm -hmm. that was a little bit distracting before. All that crispiness and all that texture that was there distracted away from Travis's head, and now this time with that smoothed out, it went really well, and that I loved how that turned out in the end. Nice. And for me, I didn't have such a um, I, well, I didn't have, I had a different subject, so I didn't have Travis my, in my shot. And so I was just shooting the waterfall and the rocks. And so I did a really nice HDR and I think it turned out pretty well until I saw a video and then I realized that you'd flipped it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was my bad. And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm pretty sure my other shot was the one I 
process. I even tried to blame Brendan, saying that he had just labeled them wrong, and I read the labels perfectly. And then as I was showing him my evidence of his mistake, it all became apparent that it was my mistake. The evidence was pointing to you. <laughs> and I was like, ah, oh, man, so there's nothing I could have done. No, this it was all on that, me. Uh, sometimes we edit these videos, and it's 3 and 4 in the morning. <sighs> Unfortunately. And, you know, our brains start to shut down when yeah, we so do that. Yeah, so Kirk even made the comment that, oh, both of you kind of dark yeah both of you went for a darker composition or the darker processing and brought out the compos the contrast between the light tunnel and the black and i remember reading and that comment thinking i don't remember doing that yeah he was disappointed <laughs> that both of us did it because he said one of those in there and i'm pretty sure he meant yours looked better, better before before and, <laughs> and I'm like, actually kirk you were talking about his <laughs> after you were talking about his final composition after he did the hdr work after he did the processing that's why it looked better, and I made it. I passed it off as his raw. So when I was doing my actual final processing, um, I thought my bracketing actually went pretty well. For a short time, my bracketing was a neutral, like a naver like a normal exposed shot, right. and then and then minus minus. You because, didn't have any positive, right? Because so many times I'd shoot something and it was always blown out, and it always seemed to like make my HDRs look worse. Mm, and so I, I tried the negative negative for a while and it seemed to work out better but then for this obviously not because it's so dark in there like why would you want it darker you know what i mean so i went dark and plus maybe i, I, might, I might have even done five shots on this one but i can't remember exactly see that's the tough thing about using an hdr program or using even lightroom's hdr feature because you don't have much control over how much they use of each frame your yeah. dark frame your neutral frame and your your bright frame probably gonna have a ton of blown out in the clipping in the blacks or clipping in the whites and you're going to have them where you want to pick and choose yeah and so doing it manually with luminosity masks is where it's at yeah maybe and i was really considering that especially at the last the last time i did um some hdr which was just this morning but what i found in general is if you do a five bracket hdr and just do like a, a plus one so you have like you know the neutral one overexposed one underexposed and then one double Exposed and then one double underexposed. So basically so, two, one, zero, so one, one EV, two. Yeah, one EV plus and minus and then two EV plus and minus. Gotcha, yeah. And I found that if you do those five, Lightroom, is that's like the best results I've had so far. But so that's how like are you a little doing tip. those five? Just in camera. Well, yeah, using Magic Lantern. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if you, but, but you can bracket it yourself. I mean, you can control those brackets yourself, obviously. Yep. Um, in the camera, you can the camera. change it from being... Uh, one below, two below, three below, and right. above. But it does it symmetrically. It's either neutral plus two, plus three, negative two, negative three. You don't have any choice beyond that. You can't pick and choose negative one but plus three. And you also mm. can't go up to five. I can only go up to three. It's three brackets only when it does exposure compensation. At least yeah. on my Canon 60, is it different on your Canon 5D Mark Um I think so. I think a three is the top that you can over or underexpose. So that's but I found that that's, I, I found that I don't typically need to go that high. I think just two is fine. It's rare cases that you have to have that dynamic of a range. Yeah, going three. I mean, I tried it before, and it just seemed like it was too dark and too bright, and it was just too too much, so... Tons of work, too. I mean, you're just oh, adding yeah. a million times more work for you yeah. to figure it out. Five so if, if you have a Canon and you want to try Magic Lantern, this is a great. This would be a great way to try it. Is just just the the bracketing is really cool to use on that. So it makes it really easy. You still got to do the work afterwards, but man, it makes getting the shot a lot easier. So because just bam, 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 doesn't, and you're done. And this is perfect to go right into what didn't go well because my first didn't go well is bracketing mm -hmm. is dynamic range. 
two things about it. First, let's just talk about my personal thing. Then I bring up the dynamic range because we all had that issue. So my issue that I had personally was that I've been doing manually manual bracketing ever since I began my photography. I'd say career, but when you lose money, is it a career? Still a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely a hobby. <laughs> so my photography hobby. Once my ho- photography hobby began, I I found myself hating HDR. I'd seen videos that talked poorly about it, said that it was a fad back then, no one Mm. does it now, and so I really avoided any automatic HDR systems. I didn't use photomatics, I didn't use anything that was going to automatically process it, and I also, Mm. I just wanted to control what I was doing myself. And if Mm -hmm. I wanted to have three frames that was two under, right on, and then only one over to get my three frames that I was going to work together with luminosity masks, then I was going to do it that way, and it was my way. And so I was just kind of mm. set in that. I wanted to do it my way. Well, I get into this dang cave, and I can't get my camera far enough away from the waterfall to be where I'd like a nice composition. So I'm stuck having this tripod set right up against the wall. And if you see in the video, we're doing a lot of hunching over as we're trying to get behind our camera to see our see our settings, see everything. I'm obviously not getting my eye to the viewfinder, so I'm having to use the LCD screen on the back, mm-hmm. which I actually prefer anyway. But manual bracketing is really hard when you can't just get behind a tripod and work with it. And I found mm-hmm. out in this cave, dude, Aaron, you got to figure out your exposure compensation option that's on your camera because I hadn't figured it out yet or used it much yet. I was poor practice in that area mm-hmm. and I couldn't just all of a sudden start doing it in what was a crowded area in the Donut Falls. Tons of people were coming in and out of that cave as it was. I didn't have much time in there. So I couldn't try and figure it out right there on the spot. So what went poorly for me and what I learned is that I needed to know my camera better so I knew the exposure compensation option so that I didn't have to do the bracketing myself. Yeah. Because yeah. trying to do it myself, I couldn't tell what I was doing and I didn't have to count the clicks. Okay, two down take a picture, two up, back to neutral, take a picture, two up again, take the picture. So I would only lean behind my camera a little bit to make sure I saw where the metering was going. And I knew, okay, right here, I'm going one under like this. I'm going to go from here. And then I just counted clicks, took a picture, counted clicks to get back where I was, kind of go up any higher. That's not easy. No, yeah. it wasn't. It really, really wasn't. And in the end, I didn't have anything that was great dynamic range in the end because that dynamic range is brutal in this cave. You're in a dark cave. The water's coming through, and right above it's white, white, white snow where the light's all bouncing off of it. Right. So you're dealing with something that is not just one or two stops difference. It was five stops, six stops difference. If you wanted to see anything, Trav, you were right underneath the waterfall, and you were looking out into the space that saw some trees even. Did you? Did you have to bracket like crazy, or did you just go as low as you could and underexpose as possible as you could? On some of those, I just was like, click, click, take a picture, click, click, take a picture. <laughs> so I took a ton of pictures uh, from that angle to try to get what I did because it was it was hard. It, it, it was so bright coming in through that hole. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so doing a normal exposure, this is a difficult area because you've got super bright and then super dark. Right. And not a whole lot in between. Nothing. Nothing so, else was lighting up the scene. Yeah. So you have to do bracketing, or else you're not going to get the range that, you're, that your eye is adjusted for eventually. Precisely. But yeah, it's that's a tricky one for sure. That was definitely tricky down in there. <laughs> I, at one point, I let Brendan use my tripod, so I got out of the way and said, "Hey, just use my tripod and come in the spot." I saw Trav's pictures afterwards, and I'm like, "Ah, man, 
Just like with Daniel back at the Fifth Water Hot Springs, Trav got a better shot than I did. <laughs> he came home with a better <laughs> shot. My best shot from the trip was really artistic and just, hey, look how dark it is. And look at the gaping maw that this this cavern has with water and white mm-hmm. coming through. Mm-hmm. Eh, it's okay. And then my other shot of Trav. And so my, other, my best shot was either a picture of Trav or it was Trav's pictures that he took. Those are the best things that came out of the strip. <laughs> so you were able to get some really cool colors of the ice in there at the dynamic range, and I was getting blown out. I wasn't getting color like that. I honestly, I went around to that other side and shot backwards into the to where those icicles were, and it, it kind of surprised me how well those turned out. <laughs> um, one of the things I wished in, uh, the, was that I got more pictures from back on the other side closer to the entrance because um, I didn't take a lot from over there. Uh, mm. I guess I'm still in the mindset of film cameras that I can't take <laughs> as many camera or, or as many shots as I like. I take a few and then I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm good. Yeah, you yeah, don't want yeah. to burn through this roll of film. I know. When you got a 64 gig card in there, man, you can take as many as you want because you get home just, and you're like, man, I should have taken a lot more pictures. <laughs> I know, and I and I I think about that a lot myself too. Sometimes I come back and be like, only 200 pictures, and I don't like only any of 200. these. <laughs> yeah. Because like sometimes you spend a weekend and you're like you can go through two thousand pictures in a weekend, oh, you yeah. know, easily. I've done it before, so it's nuts. If you love Lightroom loading time, then go for it. Good <laughs> thing I got a fast computer. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> Too bad Lightroom still stinks, man. So your your pictures trapped too. That was a brilliant idea to go on the other side and then shoot back where the light was hitting, because then you didn't have that light coming into the camera and messing with the dynamic range. You just saw the outcome of the light. And that's why you had better detail in the ice mm. and more interest in the ice than I ever had. There was nothing I could do at home in the processing to bring anything out that was of interest. I needed to be in that position. Mm. And on the entrance, though, you didn't do it, not just because you were a film guy and you're kind of used to film. <laughs> it's because we had a 1,000 people there. I mean, we haven't even talked about it. The group of girls that showed up, first right. they had a kissing scene with their boyfriend or fiancé. <laughs> I think it was yeah, a, right behind the we're waterfall. getting married, look at the waterfall. Might even been an engagement maybe, announcement yeah, photo. So they were there, and then all the girlfriends that were there with them decided to get a nice shot together, and mm-hmm. they wanted to jump on the slick, icy rocks. They wanted to have their shot with them with the, in their feet. I'm in the surprised air. we got hurt. Honestly. Oh my gosh! <laughs> right in the middle of where everybody takes the shot of the waterfall, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they weren't happy with any of their shots for what five, six times. Before I don't they know. Were... They kept jumping and jumping and jumping. <laughs> One, two, three. What? But then they finally left, and then we had the place to ourselves for a good few minutes. It felt like forever, but honestly, it was just a few minutes. The yeah. crowds were insane. So Trav maybe thought, I should have taken more pictures from the entrance, but if he went back there, all his picture would have been were a bunch of people standing there and scouts picking their nose with snowshoes on going, what's going on, guys? Yeah, because as soon as we got out, there was like a big line yeah. there waiting was, to come in. There were so. people who decided not to go in because they were just, ah, it's too packed in there. There was a lot of people, and, and that really was. When we came out, I mean, you can only fit a few people down in the cave at a time anyway. Oh, right. right. And so it's like, okay, everybody's standing outside waiting to come in. You got 10 people lined up. I was like, okay, well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, better not take too many pictures, not take too much time. And uh, from the entrance, you had too many people in your shot. Yeah. There was one shot that I had, Trav, that was from more of the entrance, and there was this light bleed too much from the entrance a bit. It's almost like I needed to include it in a wider shot to give it context mm. or not at all. And so that and was that kind was of tricky too. very. Because yeah. I'd have the same problem to where you've got this like almost like a spotlight of light shining in through the entrance and then super bright you know, light coming down through the hole, illuminating the waterfall, right. which is the coolest part. 
but you got to balance between those two because there's not enough space to really mm-hmm. avoid the one on the left on, and when you know, I, coming in the entrance. When I try and think about applying what I learned at the Improved Photography Retreat, what I heard from Majid, but keeping something interesting in every third of your frame yeah. and then going back to that location and picturing my mind what I could have done to make it better, low to the ground, more light in the, in the area around me. So maybe bring an extra light so that mm. I'm actually bringing some light in that scene mm-hmm. and then have the top third or something else be the waterfall. Right. Then I maybe would have gotten a portfolio piece. Otherwise, it's, what is it? It's a, it's a journal photo. It's, a, it's an adventure recap photo. It's yeah. not a picture yeah. you would put on a wall and say, hey, check it out, gallery, right. you right. want this. So what else could we have learned from this uh Trip. I don't know if it's specific to this trip, but one of the things that I, I've learned, uh, even looking at things on the Photog Adventure listeners page, is just taking your camera everywhere you go. I mean, there's a lot of guys mm, that are right. like, oh, I happened to be driving, and I saw this, and I stopped and took this picture. <laughs> and I honestly, there's so many times I do that, and I, I don't have my camera with I me know. or whatever, and I'm like, gosh, dang, that would be so cool. <laughs> Keep yourself, huh? Mark yeah. Lawrence was saying that the days he forgot it, the sunset was awesome. The days he brought it, the sunset was not there. Yeah, so just always have it on you. It's hard to do. I look at my bag, the easiest bag to carry things with, and I could bring that to work, but then do I have two bags? Because I don't mm. like leaving it in my car. I, w- I don't like leaving my stuff in my car either. <laughs> yeah. like, do I carry it into work and have it sit by my desk all day? Right. <laughs> Just in the hopes that I catch something on the way home? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, there's a lot of opportunities where I'm coming back from Salt Lake by the Temple Square area and the beautiful flowers right now. The f- oh, yeah. trees are blooming and blossoms on the trees. Uh, I just... I need to bring it with me more. I got to try it. 365 day project might not be take a picture every day, but bring a camera with me every day. That might be my 365 oh, project. Yeah. That sounds like a good project. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I really am going to try that. I'm going to do it. I'm going to fit my, this camera bag out with my work stuff and I'm going to bring it only. And even though it's heavy on my back, I think I'm going to do it. That's a good. Yeah. I'm going to start now. No, right. April no. 1st. I'll go from April Fool's Day to April Fool's Day. See how it goes. Hey. Let's go ahead and take our last break of the podcast, and we'll come back with gear time and tip of the week. Okay, welcome back, guys. Uh, Today for gear time, I'm going to talk about the boring old subject of SD card readers. (sighs) I know. I'm going to bed. Most people have it built in their laptops. (laughs) And Except if you're a new Apple MacBook owner, yay, you get to have a dongle that has it in there. Yeah, for the last two versions of the MacBook, I think, maybe. No, no, no last just, re- this, last just, this very last, just this very last revision. Okay, that's why I'm using the Kingston USB 3 card reader. The card reader that I have, and I've, I've really uh, enjoyed using this. It's got that cool little USB you know, 3 thing in the back that you know it's a USB 3, mic- the little mini pin. It's got like a mini and a micro next to it. And then it's a regular USB plug that goes in the computer. I'm using an older computer with a USB 3.0 card, but the speed is still great. Coming out of this reader, I've never had a problem. This thing loads fast into my computer. You know, as fast as five gigabits can carry it pretty much. So, Well, here's the question I have for you is I purchased a nice inexpensive card reader off of Amazon. It's mm-hmm. something that would work like yours here where you have it external. It's mm-hmm. not plugged into the hardware of the machine. It's just off of a USB cable. Right. It sits on your desk. I have to sometimes unplug the USB from the computer to put it back in for it to recognize it. After I eject a card, mm-hmm. 
it stops recognizing the reader. It doesn't let me put in another card right afterwards and then recognize that card. Hmm. I don't know if it's Windows 10 problem or if it's just that reader. Now, most likely yeah. there's a driver missing for that reader and I can get it to recognize it and come back on its own. Maybe. But does this Kingston one have success there? Does it ever yeah, need well, to be unplugged? That's hard to say because I'm using it on, on Mac. Uh, I see. I've never had a problem. Every time I eject on a Mac, it seems to just leave the reader. The reader turns off, but as soon as I put a card back in, it turns back on. So I've never had any problem with this Kingston it's been really super reliable. As fast as I've ever seen a USB 3 reader go, this is really fast. So it's been great. Nobody wants to plug in their camera, you know, through a USB 2.0 plug <laughs> and wait half a day for their images to load, you know. So the model number is the FCRHS3. And this is an older model, so there probably is a, a newer one than this out oh, there now. Okay. This is like a couple years old, so. But still going strong. That's oh, yeah, still having a yeah, great old time with it. It's a card reader. <laughs> I'm sure people are just Googling it now. Yep. Kingston card reader, eh? What's yep. this card reader? It could business? be your next best friend. Everyone you're talking to right now already owns a card reader. So what is going to convince them to go to this Kingston and why should we convince them to? Or Well, if they're having problems like yours, for instance, yeah, where they're just so. they're sick of, you know, finagling with it all the time. I've never had an issue with this. It's a name brand. I didn't spend very much on this, maybe twenty bucks. I don't know. That wasn't very much. And so if you're looking at, you know, if your card reader's got crunched under something or you're looking for a replacement or you're sick of, you know, messing with it to read and write all the time or if you're having, you know, sometimes they don't last forever. Some of the, some of the others. Yeah. I replaced one with this one that was a generic one. And now I've never had a problem with this one since. So it's right been on. reliable. Right on. Thanks, man. Yeah. And we've already mentioned this a little bit, but in Tips of the Week, I wanted to go into it in more detail. The Nick Collection from Google. Now, yeah. here's a little history about it. I just found out awesome. okay. as I looked on the interwebs. So the Nick Collection, in 2012, Google purchased Nick, a German software developer, and Nick offered six desktop plugins as a $500 bundle. I told you. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was not that cheap. expensive. And then Google dropped the price immediately, or no, I'm sorry, roughly six months after the acquisition, they dropped the price from 500 to only $149. Oh. I know Nick Page purchased this. He even recommended it in one of his earlier videos saying, uh -huh. it's a little bit of money, but I recommend you guys go for it. Get the Nick Collection. And Lyle Locardi uses the Nick Collection. And so I've heard about in all mm -hmm. their tutorials, they reference the Nick Collection. And I really, really and like it. N-I-K. Yes, N-I-K. Nick Collection comes with six different plugins that'll go right into Lightroom and right into Photoshop. Now, this is something that will leave a little tray in Photoshop that always hangs out on your screen and on your second screen mm -hmm. you move it, you end up moving it all the time. That's annoying, but you can close it. It's still there. In Lightroom, it's just one of the effects that you can apply and it is mm -hmm. awesome. It has Analog Effects Pro, never used it, not even sure what that is actually. Color Effects Pro, use it all the time. Silver mm -hmm. Effects Pro for doing black and white photography. Viveza, mm -hmm. Reviza, no idea what that is. HDR Effects Pro if you wanna use it for the HDR program. Sharpener Pro if you wanna make things sharper. Mm -hmm. And it is nice and define. And so I've used Sharper in a Pro, Define, Silver Effects Pro. I have not played around with the HDR effects, Viveza, or the analog. But yeah, I'm going to make that a goal too to be more familiar with every single one of those because I know they seem to like intertwine a little bit, you but can I don't use know multiples. where. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know where they do. So I, I want to definitely make that a goal. And so just understand how you use it in your workflow is you will, you won't have to get out of Lightroom if you want to apply it to your existing. Right. 
image and it'll just be one of your history steps that you've made. It'll actually create a second version of your image. It ends up being a virtual copy that it creates and so you'll have your image before you made this step of adding a knit collection filter and then the image afterwards. And then in Photoshop, the workflow is it sometimes actually only sometimes creates another layer it doesn't do it all the time really sometimes but not always will get a layer for you to work with that'll duplicate the image and give you a layer that obviously here's what it was before and then here's the new layer but usually huh. you'll have to create it yourself i noticed just barely i was working with it it did not do it with color effects pro really and so it didn't happen every time i'm not sure what triggers it or doesn't trigger it but just okay make i a, thought maybe it was an option that was always always there i thought not. so too i mean since it does it in lightroom i wouldn't be surprised if it did it in photoshop but it's okay mm. just quickly duplicate your layer all the work that you have so far and then apply the nick collection and apply color effects pro i recommend first and then you can do your sharpening <laughs> or your define noise reduction all of that stuff once you have that secondary layer that has Color Effects Pro on it the way you like it, you can use it as it is globally or mm -hmm. just apply a mask in there and have it apply only local areas and have local adjustments. It's really nice to work with. Love this. Definitely recommend you guys getting to know the Knit Collection totally for free. Use and you have a now. website for that? Guys can go to. Yep. If you guys go to, you know what, just Google Knit Collection, you'll find it. Yeah, but the website. Yeah. It's really easy to find. The website itself is just google.com forward slash NIK collection, all one word. Okay. So just Google. NIK and you will find it without any effort at all. Yep. And that's it. That's the tip of the week. Guys, thanks for listening again. We hope you have a good week. Get out there 30 minutes from your home and get a picture of something you like, Nightscape. Get that image submitted to the Photog Adventures listener group and the masses will vote for you and give you a copy of the Royce Bear ebook. So now I was thinking about that today too. I want to do the challenge even though I don't want to win. Well, I'm not e voting for you. I know, don't vote for me, but I still want to be I still want to participate in the challenge because I think it's fun. Yeah, it does sound fun. So I will still be posting something, maybe one or two images. You're going to get a freebie, though, because we're going to Silver Lake, which is like 20 minutes from your house. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, you'll get there's, it. There's some pretty cool areas right up the street from me, and so I want to participate and show you guys what, okay. what I've got available in my hood. My hood. <laughs> and seriously, Trav, thanks for joining us tonight, talking about Dono Falls, and I know you had a long day at work, and you came and hang out with us on a Photog Adventures podcast, so thanks for, man. Thanks, thanks for Trav. joining. And no problem. Have a good time. You'll notice Trav again in many future episodes of our YouTube channel videos. You'll see him a lot, and we'll keep including him where we can. Just know that that's Travis when you see him. No, I'll actually introduce him <laughs> we'll next introduce time. We'll introduce him next time. <laughs> I'll introduce him next time, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, have a good, good week, everybody. Hey, guys. See you later.